One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everybody, welcome to a very exciting episode of On the Line. I am here with Emma Guns, but my very first question is, how the fuck do you say your last name? <laughs> you say it Gunawardner, which is why, obviously, because it doesn't, it looks nothing like it's pronounced. It, it looks like Gunavard Hannah. Yeah. So when I'm like Gunawardner at like check-in at, you know, the airport or something, they're like, excuse me, what now? So for work, not officially, it's guns because when Instagram started, you, Emma Gunnar Wardner was too long for a handle. What kind of last name is that? A long one. <laughs> <laughs> How many letters is it? Twelve. Wow. <laughs> but what's the background of the last name? So it's uh, from Sri Lanka. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, I think it means something like eternal knowledge. But are you half Sri Lankan? There's a yeah. There's a mixture. It's like uh, Sri Lankan. A little bit of Scottish, English, and some other stuff, I'm sure. You definitely have a unique look to you. You've got those well, light you. eyes and, like, olive skin, but you did say you just <laughs> OD'd on Isle of Paradise. When I met Estee about five minutes ago, she said, wow, have you been away? You look great. And I went, no, no, I overdid it on the Isle of Paradise, like, five nights ago. <laughs> I'm still very brown. Can we talk about Isle of Paradise? Of course. Well, I love it. Mm. I like the lightest one. Oh. And do you fake tan all the time? Like, is that part of your beauty routine? No, actually, it's not. Um, it's something I forget to do. And then if I do ever do it, I, I do it on my face. So I'll use, like, a James Reel H2O Spritz Mist, which I think is really nice. Or I use the Isle of Paradise Tanning Drops. Which, and I always use the dark variety because go hard or go home. Is that your theory on that? Yeah, and also I think because I have yellow-toned olive skin, I just think I can take it. <laughs> so I'm just like, ramp that, sh that shit up. Okay, girl. <laughs> um, so I don't. But then the other night, I uh, my forearms are slightly tanned at the moment, yeah. like a truck driver. That's also <laughs> a little bit of... Um, and, but my shoulders looked really pale. So I thought, oh, you might need to, you might need to do some tanning. And the thing that usually stops me is that I never have a tanning mitt. And tanning mitts are actually more expensive than you think. How much are they? About five or six quid. Which no, I know, but I just sort of think it's it's a it's a very disposable thing. I'm oh, sort of, can you only use it once? Well, it depends. It depends how much of a skank you are. I'm quite a big skank, so I'll reuse. It's like, do you know what I mean? But it's like you can't. You can buy microfiber cloths in like packs of three, right? But you can't get like a batch job of tanning mitts. I don't think. I'm sure you can get that on eBay. 
You're you're absolutely correct. And I just haven't done my due diligence on this. And I'm going to say one other thing about the fake tanning thing that Jules taught me, who is the brains behind Isle of Paradise. Mm -hmm. He told me if you want to get your back, put your mitt, tape your mitt to a wooden spoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Genius. Yep. Or, yeah, uh, use an elastic band around a wooden spoon or God. an extendable uh, feather duster, <laughs> whatever you've got lying around. The things we do in the privacy of our own home. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other day about um, IPL because I use a device. Do you? Yeah. Those things freak me out. No, don't be freaked out by them. Honestly, I've got so many good things to say about them. Uh, but... I have always been somebody, particularly as a beauty editor, I've always been somebody who will go and have like a manicure with the best manicurist, like Marion Newman or someone, and pay so much attention so that I can then go home and recreate it. I very much like to be able to do it myself. But I was doing IPL the other day and I was doing my legs, I'd done my underarms, I'd done my face. And I was on the sofa and I started to do the bikini line and I just thought, do you know what, I'm, I'm better than this. Like, what were you what? watching on Netflix during it? <laughs> oh, it was probably Drag Race or what have I been watching a lot recently that I've just been obsessed with? I did. Oh, I did um, in like a day and a half. I did the uh, something on Sunset, you know, the one about. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Um, I did too. But it's just when you've got one leg up on one sofa arm and the other like on a coffee table and you're yeah. zapping intense pulse light mm -hmm. into yourself. Yeah. You just think. No, actually, some things you have to let a professional do. I mean, I live in an apartment where all my walls are glass. I know. I love that about your apartment. You say that, but it's in moments like those where you need to get the, the switch and turn the blinds down because you know you're about to do something that doesn't need to be seen. <laughs> or you buy some bamboo screens. <laughs> <laughs> I love my screens. They are so joy making. <laughs> I love a trip. I love any. I've, I've officially hit that age where interiors are so exciting. I know, but so expensive. Yes, screw bottomless brunches. I'm all about. Well, I'm a bit for both. Well, yeah, actually, I said it and then I regretted it. Okay, so we don't really have um, a direction for this episode because I didn't do my research or anything like that. But I was on it's your podcast. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it went so well, I think. And Me too. It was really fun to do it. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to Emma's podcast. Um, I want to talk about your podcast, though. Sure. I don't actually know the history of how you started this podcast. I know you were a beauty editor mm -hmm. for a million years, <laughs> and then you just started this podcast out of nowhere? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I was a magazine beauty editor for nearly 10 years on the same magazine, and I left and I went into the world of freelance, and I was on what you would call a tabloid weekly magazine. Okay. And... It just doesn't carry the same cachet when you then go out into the world and your cut cuttings book is like, oh, you know, the sort of weekly stuff. There was never the in-depth features. And I found it very difficult to transition into being a feature writer because I had to use the, <laughs> for some reason it's popped into my head, Estee, go with it. I have short twitch fibers. I'm a sprinter when it comes to content creation. <laughs> Okay. I'm not a marathon runner, so I can <laughs> I can move very quickly. I can create really good, like, quick, fast turnaround, bite-sized content. I'm very good at in-depth research and then turning something around very, very quickly because that was a skill that you develop and the muscles that you grow when you work on weekly or daily. Or the people who do online at the moment, I don't know how they can... They're just part of the matrix at this point. 
And so when you go into freelance, you don't, freelancers don't get, you don't get hired to write a short little news piece. So I really struggled. And then I started doing consultancy and working with brands on more of the business side of things. And I found that actually really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Things like, you know, the vocabulary to use at point of sale or working with brands on new product development working on brand strategy like I started <laughs> this is this is going to sound so random but there are some I don't think I can name them but there are some massive huge brands that are household names and I went in like I think you should start a Twitter account and an Instagram account and would get like paid tiny amount of money to do someone's Instagram and I'd have to send them a month's Instagram in advance for like 18 people to approve wow and this was what seven years ago it just goes to show you how quickly things have moved. Like they were like, mm, we don't know, so we're not going to invest in it very much. But we're going to need to see a month in a month in advance because it was obviously a very different beast back then. And um, the podcast came out of the fact that I felt like I had a lot to say, still, that wasn't newsy, that wasn't bite size. I felt like I had conversations I wanted to have. I wanted stories that I wanted to tell. Not mine. I'm not the interesting thing, but my guests. And I have been in that lovely position, even though my content was always newsy and brief and fairly short, I've been in that incredible position where I've gone all over the world and interviewed celebrities or brand owners or what have you. And you you end up building this, something happens, you, you do it yourself. So you must know, like you'll get chatting to someone and some chemistry happens. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But even if it but even if it's bad chemistry, it's still chemistry. I agree. And that doesn't ever get onto the page. And I had started listening to podcasting, to podcasts way early, because I, I listened to a lot of American ones. And obviously in America, it was a much bigger deal than it was over in the UK. And um, I was just, I remember just saying, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to create something like this. And there are so many people I know in the beauty industry who are integral to this industry, who don't really have a voice. Mm -hmm. So you'll get 60 minutes interview with a brand owner who's done something really pioneering with, and it might sound twee, but like glycolic or has m been able to encapsulate retinol in a way that's actually really going to be impactful for women who are trying to find things that are anti-aging and want their skin to look more refined. And, and that story doesn't really ever get told. It's the product that gets told. And so that's how it started. And information and back to basics. Like one of my first episodes was an interview with Abby Clee from Ultrasun. And it was about like, please, can you explain like the difference between UVA and UVB? Simple, but can you explain it? Yeah. But honestly, Estee, I've been uh, doing this for nearly 20 years. The questions that I get asked haven't changed. Right. Like, how do I do a smoky eye? What's the best anti-aging cream? Should I use a serum? It, it's all the same. So it wor and sometimes I feel a bit worried because I think, is there a lack of information out there? Because do, do you know what I mean? Like it, we should be, it's very confusing is what I mean. So right. it, through the podcast, I try to simplify it. But would you say your podcast is a beauty podcast? Because you obviously talk about beauty, but I always feel like it's so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's evolved because it's three years old now. And yeah, it started off as beauty because that was a resource that I had easy access to. I have a lot of friends in the industry, but very naturally, and I think because of where I was in my own life, the questions sort of would be about beauty to begin with. And then we get onto other quite deep stuff because I've made no secret of the fact on the podcast that when I started, I was 
uh, undiagnosed with anxiety, severe anxiety and depression. So I was sort of muddling through, like trying to make things happen. But there was all this other stuff going on in the background. And then I got diagnosed and then it was like, oh. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, oh, so now I have anxiety and depression because we can get onto that in a minute. But Oh, and we will. Yeah. But um, it meant that basically, basically it was almost like I was asking all my guests for help. Okay. Because... I would get to sit with like Michelle Doherty who created the brand Alpha H from nothing. She's one of the most inspiring women. Like she is a really brilliant businesswoman. And I would get to sit in front of her and say, have you ever felt lost? Right. And I think that's an amazing thing as well because when I meet people from the beauty industry, et cetera, of course, like you said, you start talking about the skincare and this mm. and that. But at the end of the day, it's usually just two women or whoever yeah. coming together. And then it's like, you're a person, I'm a person. Mm -hmm. Do we have similar feels? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and had she ever felt lost? Yes. And actually, um, she, she cried on that episode. And it probably is one of the moments that still, when I think about it, gives me chills. Because... I was, ask, I was asking her questions about, have you ever felt vulnerable? Have you ever felt worthless? And if you're listening, you might not think, oh, that's because Emma's feeling like that at the moment. But it's because I, I was constantly looking to my guests for hope. Like, yeah. if you're here now, what have there ever been the dark times? And she told this really beautiful story about how, she, I think she got expelled from three schools and her dad said, if you don't, if you don't come back today with a job, we're gonna have to have a very serious conversation because she was misbehaving and then she got a job at this pharmacy and this chemist essentially just saw, and she said he saw something in me that I d didn't see in myself. And that made her very emotional. And then she told this really beautiful story about how this chemist had um, nurtured her and taught her and made her believe. And now look at her. Yeah. Well, I think, that's another great thing about podcasting is you listen to it and you feel seen. If mm. somebody has a similar experience to what you're going through, you you do feel less alone. And that's the same with mm. Instagram and that's the same with YouTube. I mean, the good sides of it. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> okay, well, we, we did speak about anxiety. So I guess I do just want to hop on into that because both of us have anxiety and depression. And mm -hmm. I think it's like one of those things that is just so part of my personality now. Mm. Do you... I, identify with it does it feel like you or does it feel separate to your personality or how do you how mm. do you what's your relationship no that's a really good question and fundamentally no I don't identify as somebody who has anxiety and depression anymore and the reason I say that is because I think it's dangerous I think personally for me maybe not your experience it would be dangerous for me to identify as being anxious or as suffering with anxiety or suffering with depression mm -hmm. because I would stay in that place. It's actually crazy hearing you say that because I never used to be someone who was like, I'm depressed and I'm anxious. And da, 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 da. I used to just kind of, I don't know, just look at things differently. But mm. lately, the past few months, I've been identifying with it. It's like, I'm not going to do that because I'm depressed. Mm. And I have literally been the biggest hermit for the past few months. Mm. So I think it's interesting that you say that. But it's hard sometimes you get in that slump. Oh, and I'm not for one second suggesting that you just go, oh, I'm not anxious and I'm not depressed. That clue listener, that's not the way out of anxiety and depression. <laughs> but I think for me, I feel like I've worked so hard and I do feel that I've come through it. I'm not saying it's I've come through completely, but I've definitely overcome a, a huge amount. 
And someone said to me the other day, do you feel like you're back to normal? And I said, no, because the previous incarnation of me who wasn't identifying as having anxiety and depression was operating, my operating system was anxiety and depression. So now I, I manage it. Yes, I feel like therapy, meditation, being optimistic, like we've talked about Jules, but he is all about optimism, changing your internal monologue, not slagging yourself off. Yeah. All of that, I feel like a software updates. So I now have an operating system. It's almost like that is my antivirus software to keep. This is a fascinating analogy. <laughs> Do you like it? I actually <laughs> love it because I think that's it. I think what you're talking about, these meditation and mm. da, 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 it is antivirus. Mm. Yeah. Like even last night, I was like, oh, I don't really want to go to yoga, but I better go because if I don't, I'm going to have a rough day tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of setting yourself up for success, I think. Totally. And I, I, I am the same. I, I'm similar to you in that I'm, I'm a hermit. Yeah, Second, by nature. <laughs> yes, yeah. Second I feel frightened, I will just retreat. Yeah. And I live by myself, as do you. So that's it can be quite isolating. And I have to really work on it. And I want part of my anxiety and the panic attacks that I had manifested when I tried to leave the house. I'd put mm -hmm. my hand on the door handle and it would be like a port key for any Harry Potter fans. And I would get a vision of all these terrible things that might happen mm -hmm. if I if I walked out of my front door. And so I would sweat profusely, fall to the floor and stay there for a bit and then gently say, you can go to bed now, Emma. And that would be like what I did that day. Yeah. <laughs> That that's relatable to me as well. And especially because we are hermits by nature, I love being home alone. And so mm, my problem is finding the balance between enjoying my time alone and never not being alone. Yes. And I, I do think that's a challenge. And I'm I used to only ever feel that time was worthy or worth it if it was spent with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I never enjoyed my own company. It was like I would get home from work on a Friday night and it was, I would almost go into standby mode and just wait till Monday morning when I go back into work. Yeah. And I wouldn't make any use of that time. Right. I would probably go to the gym both days, pop to the supermarket, and literally that would be it and just watch TV or movies. I wouldn't even read. I'd probably nap. But oh I, my God, you just described my weekend last weekend. <laughs> mine too, a little bit. Like every now and again, you have to just like, you yeah. know, do what feels right. But, and that's the thing. Like some people say, oh, what about if you have a bad day? I love a bad day sometimes. And I know that sounds really weird. If I have a day and I wake up and I feel like there's a black cloud above my head and I feel hopeless and I think your podcast is shit, you're shit, you're fat, you're this, you're the other. I just go, you know what, Emma? Today's not your day. Take it super easy. Yeah. And you fucking come out fighting tomorrow. We're going to have words. I, that's a good point, too, because it's like sometimes let yourself have the day, mm -hmm. but I'm not having the day two days in a row. Yes. And sometimes having a bad day, what I try to, again, putting a positive spin on it, is if I have a bad day and then I wake up the next morning, I've got my, I've, my antivirus software is clicking in and it's like, right, you're going to have an awesome day. I can go, oh, well, my recovery was really quick mm -hmm. because a bad day previously could have led to a bad week or a bad month or a bad quarter. Very true. So if I can say, actually, one crappy day, that's, that's not bad. Not bad at all. So going back to um, you not being able to leave the house, we mm. have a, a, a question from a listener. Shall we play it? Mm-hmm. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here it is. Hi, Emma and Estee. My name is Charlie and I'm calling from Perth, Western Australia. I'm so excited to hear the conversation between you two. The Emma Guns Show and On The Line are my two favourite podcasts. Anyway, my question is, how do you deal with the pressure or expectation to attend social events when you're not feeling up to it mentally? How do you deal with the feeling that you're disappointing people if you say no? Thank you. This resonates Mm. with me. We're both sitting here nodding sagely. I hate being a flake, but I am. Yeah. Because. What are you? Hang on. Let's let's discuss that vocabulary. I think I'm a flake. I think sometimes I, I make plans a week in advance. Like on Saturday, I was supposed to go to a museum with my friend Louisa. We'd planned it a week ahead. Louisa, Louisa. Louisa, Louisa. Yay. She gets a mention in every episode. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and as as the day got nearer and nearer I started getting a little stressed about the whole thing and I love Louisa I'm not Mm -hmm. like stressed to be around her obviously I love her I actually wanted to see her but on the day my mental health was just very poor Mm. and I couldn't do it I think the thing with me is I just literally tell people like I'm having a bad mental health day and I just can't do it today but I love you I I used to fib Oh, I used to, I, I well, I fib sometimes if it's a work thing. Mm. I don't want to say to the PR, just feeling a little bit anxious because I think people get annoyed by that. It's also, I do feel like the anxiety thing gets used in the same way as I've got my period and don't want to go swimming at school gets it gets used. It, it, not that I'm saying, I'm not casting aspersions on lots of people, but I've, I definitely I worry about that a little bit because it's kind of like, well, what can you do? You can't prove it. Yeah. But also, why do I have to prove it? Mm. I don't want to fucking come. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really appreciate what Charlie said about um, going to social situations and worrying about letting people down. Yeah. And I think I used to go to things even if I was feeling wretched. And then I would be a really, t- a really shit version of myself. I would be jumpy. I would be oversensitive. Somebody might make a... You know what these work things are like like canapes and drinks going around on trays the conversation's very light and if you listen to the emma gunn show you'll know i don't really i'm not great with light combo so it actually stresses me out knowing i have to have small talk yeah hate it hate it like can't do it that's why i think you and i got on because the second we started talking it was just like in (laughs) but um 
I used to go and do all of those things. And also if somebody would, if, if I was in a social situation and somebody said you should, or invited me to something, I would think of all the reasons why I should go. Yeah. And I would allow them to outweigh my feeling of, actually, I don't want to go. And not so long ago, I was invited to something and I really didn't want to go. It wasn't my scene, but there was a lot of expectation. A lot of people that I knew were going. And I had started to say, I should go, I should go. And then I woke up that morning and I thought, I'm going to put myself out of my comfort zone to make other people feel better. Yeah. And I don't want to be selfish and I don't want to become a narcissist, but I do feel like I need to look after, no one else is going to look after me today. So if I go there and I'm edgy and my nerves are frayed and I feel on edge and that, let's just make a point here. That's not imagined. That is a biological reaction in your body that's pumping stress hormones into your bloodstream. So that's not imagined. Well, sometimes you think you are imagining it. Sometimes they think, stay, just like stop being a baby and mm. get on with it. Yeah. Buck up, as, as yeah. some people can say. And I just thought, I don't want to put myself through that. So I declined. And I just think as long as you're polite, you say, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is difficult in work situations, but I've been at two work situations, really big work events, big brand events, quite smart and very crowded. And in both of them, about I guess like six, eight months apart, I got there, immediately walked into the situation and thought, nope, 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 nope. Tried to mingle and then I ended up snapping at one person who said, well, why don't you just leave then? And I was like, actually, you're completely right. And then another time I just did a French exit and just walked out because I, I could not stay. And, and if you've never experienced that, it's so hard to explain. Mm. But it's like this urgent feeling inside that's like, I need to leave. You know, when you're, um, I don't know, it depends what your reaction is like. But have you ever um, walked down a, a hallway at home inside? So you're completely safe, but the lights have been off and you're walking to the door to go and open to get to the light and you feel like something's behind you uh, and it's not. Yes. But that I feel like is like a baby version of what panic attack feels like. Oh, so in that's those, a good one too. In, so it's like, you don't have to rush, everything's fine, but your imagination gets the better of you. And yeah. so you begin, even though it might be starting off in your imagination, you have a stress response, which yeah. is that you panic and you run and you open the door and you maybe go, you, your breathing gets deeper. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that's what those situations are like. And it feels like, it, for me, it feels like it crawls up my back. Ugh. And if it gets to the back of my neck and I'm not out of that room, people will say horrible things about me because I will... I won't act properly. I'll just be like, oh, I need to get the fuck out of here. Well, yeah, like you actually, I do. I start acting not myself. Mm. I'll be maybe sometimes mean. Sometimes mm, yep, I'll yep. be emotional. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, the other day, this is kind of going on the, the you feel like somebody's behind you. I came into my flat and everything was pitch black. And I was like, there's someone in my house. I felt like that. I was like, there's there's somebody in here. I got a weird feeling. I, I can't explain it. And I was so scared. I literally went to the kitchen and I got a knife because I literally was like so convinced there was someone in my apartment because I left my door open a crack. And on my way home, I was like, there's going to be somebody in my apartment. Like I was freaking out. Mm. I looked through all of the cabinets, like literally like my cupboards in my bathroom, in my tub, under my bed, in every single cupboard. Like there was nobody in there. But it's that feeling of like... <sighs> Two things. First of all, Estee, if that ever happens again, please don't grab a knife because you are not schooled in the art of knife play. Well, how do you know? 
I'm taking a, <laughs> I'm taking a guess. Well, what was I supposed to do? I live alone. Yes, but okay, right. And the other thing is, if someone had been in the apartment, right? They would have jumped on you. They wouldn't have thought, I know I don't And look, that's my that's This isn't Luther. That's my <laughs> that's my point. The sane me knows that. Yes, I I agree. But the anxious me doesn't know that. I was fully like ready. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's crazy mean. the things that happen in my brain in life. <laughs> but I think I do think it's a creative brain thing. There's lots of data to suggest that a creative brain is more likely to imagine things that... But you know how, like, okay, creative brain, is everyone creative? Uh, without without doing a bit of research on that, that's quite a difficult question to answer. Um, I think, yeah, I think people's level of imagination are definitely different. Yeah, okay. I would say, yeah. Okay, fair. And I think... Um, I remember listening to one podcast, I think it was Tim Ferriss, where he talked about the incidents of depression and anxiety were more common in people who were seen to have a more creative brain. So, right. And I think that probably came from profession more than like brain analysis. So uh, do you know about this app called The Pattern? Mm. Okay. Well, there's an app called The Pattern and you need to like put in your time of birth and where you've been born, et cetera. And I texted my mom, I was like, what time was I born again? She's like, you've asked me this like 80 times. Because <laughs> whenever I'm going through a crisis, I'm like, time of birth? Let me just input that into all astrology websites. Oh, that's interesting. So time of <laughs> crisis, you turn to astrology. It's the only time I, I turn to it. Mm. I know. Anyway, it's this app called The Pattern. And honestly, it is the craziest thing. It's so weirdly accurate. It tells you all about yourself, basically. And Does it, though? Well, I don't know. Sorry, I'm going to be a bit of a skeptic here. Be one. Be one. Anyway, I, I think I was reading this at like 3 o'clock in the morning last week when I couldn't sleep. Standard. I have insomnia. and <laughs> I had insomnia last night, by the way. Oh, the worst. Um, and I, it was talking about creative brains. And it was saying about me that I have a very creative brain, but I'm so scared to actually do anything creative for fear of rejection. Um, so I wonder I wonder if everybody has a creative brain, but some people are just better at expressing it. Anyway. Possibly. Just a thought. Possibly. I depend, it, depends how, it, it depends what the definition of creative is. Okay. So you're I a skeptic? Say. I am. And uh, that thing about um, when I'm in a time of crisis, I turn to astrology. So you, you turn to something that has no scientific data to back it up. <laughs> well, so you literally, in a time of crisis, when what you really need to do is tether yourself to something solid and unmovable. And that's what I worry a little bit with about some alternative therapies, that they prey on the weak a little bit. Okay, well, speaking of alternative therapies, we have a question oh. about crystals. Oh. Hi, my name is Lisa. I'm interested to hear your opinion on crystals and whether you think it's worth investing in them for uh, mental health and just general happiness. I actually know Lisa, she's awesome. No. <laughs> You say no. I say no. Well, Bill Nye, the science guy, says there is no scientific data to back up crystals whatsoever. Here's the thing. If, I mean, Lisa's talking about spending money on crystals. Mm -hmm. And again, since when do crystals become, become so gosh darn expensive? Oh, they're so expensive. So here is the thing. Let's just, we've got one thing up. No scientific, no scientific data to prove anything, right? Okay. So if you're going to invest, if you're looking to spend money for your mental health, to quote Lisa, 
then it's therapy, it's meditation, it's investing in things that, whether it's CBT, so uh, something that you can work with a professional on that will change the neuroplasticity in your brain that will make you more optimistic, help you get over whatever might be ailing you, right? So that's where I would say that you spend your money, really. And yeah, the crystal thing, I'm not going to, dis I'm not going to dismiss the idea of a placebo because if carrying a rose quartz around in your bra makes you feel able to get out of the front door, I'm all for it. Same. I will not, I'm not diminishing the actual value it can, ha the uh, impact it can make on a person. What I'm saying is to, in, to invest in it or to rely on it wholly is when I get a bit worried because I just think that like there's often comparisons made between physical health and mental health. Like you go to the gym yeah, you see a personal trainer to help you make gains or to get you to a certain fitness goal. You go to the therapist to get you past certain obstacles or whatever might be um, compromising your mental health. And I feel that with with yeah crystals, I I'm not going to go to a crystal healer. I'm going to go to somebody who's been to medical school for several years and has a qualification and knows and, and isn't guessing, isn't pulling it from the ether. I think that's a healthy approach, but have you ever had Reiki? I've had Reiki twice. Oh, I've had Reiki with two people. And what do you think? The f um, okay, so both experiences. So the first experience I enjoyed and it was perfect, perfectly nice. And But I was told something about past life at the end of the treatment that was quite severe and quite, and actually even though in the short term the Reiki session was completely fine and I enjoyed it and I thought, oh, there's definitely something in this because I definitely, I definitely felt things. The long-term effect of being told about that past life was actually quite, really quite upsetting for a long time. Uh, I get you. Um, and the thing, the reason, in hindsight, this was a good seven years ago now. And the reason why, and I think this is why I'm, quite adamant to steer people away from this sort of thing if they are feeling vulnerable because at the time this was all before I was diagnosed before I knew that I was prone to anxiety and suffered with depression so I had no coping mechanism or no skill and I wasn't given any skills by the Reiki master or the therapist to be able to handle what I had been told so mm -hmm. it was just like here's here's your treatment here's the information and now you're off Go into free. the world yeah and yeah. if you're vulnerable and you're told about a, a sinister past life that bad things having happened to you, that's that's a lot to take on board. And if you're already struggling with the here and now, yeah. you're now struggling with the here, now, and the past. But I have had Reiki with someone else since who's a sports massage therapist who just is somebody who said that when she started training, she started to feel certain things. She asked a few people and they said, oh, you might be, might be uh, very um, sensitive to people's energy. And I went to go and see her for a sports massage. It was when I was very, very low. And I walked in and she went, say nothing. I'm just going to give you a really gentle massage and then we'll do a bit of Reiki. She doesn't take any money for it. Mm -hmm. And those sessions I've had with her have been profound. Right. I think I can agree with that. I I had um, Emma Lucy on the show. She is a Reiki healer and I've seen, had her. I've done tons of sessions with her and I really love her. Um, but again, I've only gone to see her when I'm at my lowest, most vulnerable and it really, at the time, it, it 
we were talking in your episode about um, life boats or something. Life rafts, yeah. Life rafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for me at that time, Reiki was a life raft because I don't know how I would have gone on without it and just having someone be there. Yeah, and in that case, it has value. It has value. But sometimes I think back on it and I think, did I, was I swayed? Did I make the make decisions from myself? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I'm I'm taking a little break from Reiki, is yeah. what I'm saying. I think even the act of booking yourself in for a treatment is almost like a signal to you yeah. to say, we need to take care of some shit, Estee. I know. And so it's symbolic. That's what I mean about the the placebo. I'm not I'm not suggesting um it's all placebo. Well, maybe I am. But anyway, let's not let's not put it that thread. But what I mean is sometimes, again, I remember going to see um, a nutritional therapist because I had very, very bad stress-related IBS um, in and amongst when I had all the anxiety and depression. So that was great. And I said, oh, I'm going to see a TCM tomorrow. And I had Reiki the other day. And she just went, slow down. Like, don't do everything. Yeah. Because it's really expensive to do everything. Like it's really expensive to have acupuncture every week. It's really expensive yeah. to come and see me. Like the fact that you have to pay hundreds of pounds to have someone sift through your uh, waist is great. But actually one of the best things I've ever done because it was very um very telling and it was a really useful thing to do to know what's going on inside. Right. Um everything starts in the gut. Oh, well, that's what I've been told by so mm. many people. Mm. And you're on a probiotic cleanse right now yeah well I, I don't know if it's a cleanse but I just I moved house recently and my stomach's the first thing to get my stomach and my sleep and I just haven't my stomach's just not been right since I moved and I the whole point of the move was very symbolic and it was I didn't tell anyone I was moving I know you just kind of up and started moving and had no internet but I yeah <laughs> but I gave notice on my flat I rent and I gave notice on my flat and I said um I will See where the wind blows me. Yep. So I started making inquiries with friends in LA, friends in New York, a couple of friends Seriously? in Australia. Yeah, I, I, was, I was really ready. I had this, uh, in 2018, I did this thing on my podcast called 26 Habits, which was making or breaking a habit every two weeks for 52 weeks. And that was about New Year's resolutions and nonsense. It's all about small incremental changes. But actually, let's try what it would effectively be a New Year's resolution every two weeks and see how easy they are or how hard they are. And when I was coming to the end of 26 Habits going into 2019, I just thought I need to do something bigger because this year has been a good year. Like I feel stronger than I've ever felt. And if I don't change my living situation, if I don't change a few things about the way that I'm working, if I don't change a few things about my social life, I will have another year like this year, which is great. But I don't ever want to be static. I don't ever want to plateau, even though plateau is the path to mastery. But that's another podcast. But I plateau is the path to mastery. Yeah, you have to plateau in order to. Oh my god! There's a brilliant book. Uh, I think the guy, the author, is a guy called George Leonard. Really brilliant book. But basically, there's a diagram very early on, and it's just it shows you like you make lots of progress and you plateau. You make a little bit of progress and you plateau. And like the, I always think of tennis players, but the top tennis players in the world probably have the longest plateaus. But then when they suddenly get that little bit better, they then become like the best in the world. Wow. Yeah, so it's a really interesting is that diagram. Is that the point, to become the best at something? No. But I think in the context of how I was applying it to my life, it was just to be 
better than before. Better than before. We're yeah. always trying to better ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I feel that I spent a lot of years being static. I spent a lot of years waiting for life to happen to me. I spent a lot of years waiting for other people to make life happen for yes. me. And I took ownership of it a couple of years ago. And it's as a woman in her late 30s, which sounds so lame, but um, it's the truth. It's my reality. Taking ownership <laughs> of your own happiness mm. is so hard. Mm. It takes so long to actually do it mm. and look in the mirror and say, I'm responsible for this person. Yeah. The you're, you're responsible for everything about yourself. Mm. So I, I'm trying to do the same thing, which is choose your own adventure, baby. Well, that's what we talked about when you came on my show and it was just like really mind-blowing and inspirational and like a real moment for me because you have. You you haven't, you've really put a line in the sand and gone, this is my world, baby. Like, it, and it's really- I'm glad I'm giving that impression. I don't feel like that, but- It's really beautiful to see it though because uh, even last night I was with a friend who has, uh, writes movies and he had been writing movies as his sort of, uh, what did they side hustle mm -hmm. for a long time? I mean, he's had films made, but he he went full time with it, and he's got his own production company. Yeah. And the thing he said last night, which is really interesting, and I want to know whether you feel like this, is for years it was like battle, 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 tense, tense, tense. Like I've got to do my day job, but but uh, tense, tense, tense. And then now he's got his own company, and I feel like this in my own life a little bit. I've started to relax, mm -hmm. and that's when stuff comes towards you like you work really really hard and you're really really tense to make to yeah. try and get to your reality that you want and then if you just relax a little you can begin to enjoy it do you feel like that I feel like that but sometimes I think I'm too relaxed sometimes I think I'm not quite proactive enough well maybe that's because I'm surrounded by so many proactive people mm. who are just working from seven in the morning till two in the morning the next day. And I used to work like that when I first started blogging. Yeah. But I have the most intense boundaries now. Like at five o'clock onwards, that I'm not working. Is that the key to happiness, boundaries? I think so. I think especially when your life is on the internet, boundaries, boundaries, mm. boundaries. <laughs> and also just like something that's made me so much happier is just to go with the flow a little bit. Like growing up in Canada, we used to just leave our front door wide open like that was how we lived. And then somebody might pop around and just come on in and be like, hey, anybody home? Like, that's how I grew up. Leave a pie. <laughs> <laughs> leave a pie. Leave a joint. It is Canada. <laughs> we must go to Canada. <laughs> we must. I'm actually going this weekend. Um, anyway, so that was kind of how I was raised. And then I, when I moved here and then I started, like, you know, working and stuff, it's like everything's so scheduled, scheduled, scheduled. And I think mm. that's when I started getting a lot of anxiety. I mean, I've always had anxiety, but that gave me a different type of anxiety. So I've started to try to live a bit more freely. So for instance, a couple days ago, I did a yoga class and I called my friend Lucy. I was like, hey, do you want to just grab a glass of wine at the local wine place? And she was like, actually, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Boom. Now you're having wine. And that's how I like to socialize. Mm. So it's just things like that and figuring out how you like to work and just and, and live and be a little more free. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I like to. I like to just. And, it, and it's like those are the best nights out, too. You don't Always. expect to go out. And the next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and you're at the Dolphin <laughs> and you're making out with some dude who is in the military. That's very specific. <laughs> Almost as if it were true. 
I love it. I'm I'm a bit more the same, but I do feel, and I get a lot of people actually email me about this. Um, I've always been a bit more like, hey, do you fancy brunch tomorrow? Or what are you doing? Because she lets me in an hour. I've always been a bit more like that because I'm not a great planner. Right. I'm great, I'm great at planning work-ish. But um, social life, I will, I will never ask me, what, what day is it today, Tuesday? What are my plans this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because I never think about the weekend until I stop working on a Friday. Right. And I usually do some work over the weekend. But what's happened recently in the last, like, 10 years is that obviously a lot of my friends who I used to be, like, brunch buddies with now have kids. Right. And I'm sort of doing this thing with a lot of them where, like, <laughs> their kid's coming up to their fifth birthday. I'm like, we are just six months away from you being a brunch buddy again. <laughs> yes. We are six months away. <laughs> That's awesome. So I have to be more organized with my social life because a lot of my friends are, to bring it back to the military, organize their social lives with military position, position because they have Oh, right, kids. to bring it back to the military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> that was a segue. What a night. <laughs> we need to have a random night now. Oh, we do. I mean, I went to the Chelsea Flower Show. I had two. You looked beautiful, thank by the you. way. That dress was so, that lilac is yeah, a good thank, color on you. Thank you. I had two glasses of champagne and I was trashed. What? I am such a lightweight. So What'd imagine. Yeah, I had a huge friggin' hot dog. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was just very drunk. I get drunk very easily. Do you? And I I love it. I really I never used to drink. So now when I drink, it's like my body's like, oh, well, that, that's a weird feeling. <laughs> I like it. I love it. See, every single time it's different for me. Isn't that weird? So I can have a sip of wine and be like, woo, gone to my head. Or I can do eight tequilas and be like, I feel nothing. I never used to understand because I didn't drink for like my a lot of my life. And then I was like, why do people really look forward to like a glass of wine at the end of the day? And now I'm that person who's like, God. Do you drink by yourself? I'd rather not answer that. <laughs> well, I made the mistake of answering that question when asked by Nadine Baggett and Caroline Hirons. And they both bollocked me. As, as the expression goes, I got bollocked off by Caroline and Nadine. Yeah. And Nadine came around to my house recently and she saw a bottle of wine in the fridge and she was like, I've told you not to drink by yourself. I don't drink by myself, but I it's because I have a way around it. I go to my local, there's like a local wine bar. Oh, you live in a very good area for that. Yeah. yeah. And I go to the wine bar and I have a glass of wine, usually sometimes with the guy who owns it. And I... God, he's like, he's, I don't go to therapy. I need to, but he's like my therapist right now. Why do you think you need to go to therapy? I absolutely need to go to therapy. I think everybody probably should. And oh, this is another thing I was going to say about the crystals and the astrology and all that stuff is sometimes I think I turn to it when I'm desperate because it's easier than going to therapy and actually doing the work. Yeah, yeah. Rubbing a crystal is much easier than facing the truth. You know, I don't want to think about stuff. Yeah, and I, to to be honest, as somebody who's done therapy, um, at the beginning, it's very, very difficult. That's not, well, it, I'm, I'm sure it varies for everybody. But because this is the way I describe it. Imagine that every thought that you have kind of comes out of your brain, into your brain, into a virtual uh, room as it were like a bit of ticker tape and it just comes out and it rips off and then you have another thought and they're not being organized so every thought that you've ever had since you came out and first experienced consciousness 
Oh, I sound like Russell Brand. Is <laughs> is a bit of ticker tape paper with with the thought sort of written down on it. So that can be everything from oh this you know that girl at school said my shoes were ugly to um, understanding something for an exam to every single thing. And you get to a certain point, and that room is just a messy room of papers. But therapy, what it does is it allows you to go in safely because someone's someone's taking you with taking you there and guiding you and has done it before. So someone's coming with you and you get to go into that room and you get to go through and you get to sort and organize the papers. And then you get to choose how you file it away so that when you then think about that thing, it's organized and it's compartmentalized okay. and it's not a mess anymore. I like that visual. and But something I, I have two things to say. Go ahead. First thing is, do things like, oh, that girl called my shoes ugly when I was six. Does that shit really matter? I'm. I would say, for me personally, it did because I, it just it was um, my reaction to it was evidence that I was over that I was highly sensitive. Okay, and the other thing is, I told my mom that she should go to therapy, which I she definitely should. But I think it was more me telling myself that I need to go to therapy. But my mom said to me, which I thought was so interesting because it's the way I think. Mm. Which she said. I don't need to go to therapy. They're not going to tell me anything about myself I don't already know. Well. And that got me thinking. And then I was like, that's a bad attitude towards therapy. But that's the attitude that I have because I don't want to appear weak to anyone. Right. This is like therapy. It's not weakness, though. If you think about it, if you use the physical physical exercise analogy... You're going to a therapist to help you make mental gains to be stronger. It's actually strength. Yes. It takes a strong person to go to therapy. Because it's confronting. It's not easy. And I've been asked a lot, do you cry in therapy? And I was like, God, there were some sessions when I really did. And there were some sessions when I came out and I went home and I went to bed. Like full on, clothes off, crop top on. There was no going out of the house again that yeah. day. Just like I was in my night clothes and it, I was going. And I went to, <laughs> my therapy session was 9 a.m. So I was like... <laughs> in bed and I would just have to lie very, very still because it was it was big. And other times I'd come out and I'd be like, you know what, I can do anything. And I'd drive over to Ikea and I'd be like, I'm gonna change everything in my office because I'm a businesswoman now. <laughs> so it's amazing what can happen, but it is confronting, it's difficult. But yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. I didn't realize until I started having it how much I had needed it. And I always thought when people used to say, because people did used to say to me, do you think you should go and speak to someone? Because I was a whinger who just expected my friends to therapize me. I thought they were rejecting me. Right. I thought they were saying, oh, we're tired, we're sick of your shit. Which they were, they and they had every right to be. Because I, I, did, I hadn't, didn't have any coping mechanisms. So my yeah. only coping mechanism was to a problem shared as a problem halved, and it, it's not, it's a problem magnified in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. I just need to find a therapist that I can connect with because I don't want anybody who's gonna be thinking my lifestyle is crazy. That's interesting. That why, mm, why would you project that reaction onto another person? Do you think on a subliminal level that your lifestyle is crazy? <laughs> I think if, if I told somebody the real ins and outs of my brain, if somebody was, anyway, <laughs> I don't even know. I think, I think, yeah, I don't want some bland vanilla therapist is my point. Yeah. 
the thing is, is shop around, and I think you have to really trust your instincts. Yeah. I had first therapist I ever had was amazing. I worked with her for fifteen months, and it was incredible. And then I had two others, and uh, within three sessions, I knew that they weren't for me. Right. I just, and I think you have to be really strong with that, and not avoid therapy. Just ask yourself. And similarly, the last guy, really nice guy, but he didn't understand my job. Right. Exactly. I just want a very modern person. Mm. I want somebody who doesn't look at the the regular way of life. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm a little unconventional. It's out there. And there are actually really brilliant. There's a really amazing website. I've forgotten the name of it now. I think it might be welldoing.org. But it's got various ways to find a therapist. But it also tells you the different kinds of therapy because there's like talking therapy, there's CBT, there's CAT, there's cognitive hypnotherapy. There's lots of different techniques and you can do a questionnaire and then therapists can look at your questionnaire and see if you suit them. But then you can also look at their profile. So it's almost like a a dating website for therapists for exactly that so that you can say, I don't want someone stuffy who... That's it, stuffy. Yeah. Um, We've been talking for a while, but I just want to talk a little bit about dating (laughs) before we wrap this up. Because you said something really interesting to me on the, our walk over to the studio this morning, which mm. I don't know if we can remember it, but you said you're constantly contradicting yourself, but it did make sense to me at the time. Yes, I live by two two mantras. One is, and actually it all stems from a Lady Gaga song and I just got the lyrics wrong. <laughs> the Lady Gaga lyric is, if it ain't rough, it isn't fun. Oh, I, 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 I stand by that. <laughs> This is why I don't need a conventional therapist right there. That's fine. But um, I find myself saying more often than not, all, all the time using these two phrases as justification for things. Like if it's if it's not easy, it isn't fun. Or if it's not hard, it isn't fun. And So which is it, Emma? Both. But I do feel like, so in the context of relationships, you were talking about dating. I think if it's, if it's not... If it's not easy, it isn't fun, applies to relationships in my head. Because I think that if you have great chemistry with somebody and things are going to work out, it, it will it will flow. And if you're fighting it, then no. So if it's if it's not easy, it isn't fun, it means that it shouldn't be hard. Right. And easy it, things shouldn't be hard. Easy things shouldn't be hard, right? So falling in love shouldn't be difficult, right? Should it? Or like... I have something to say about that. Let's go ahead with that. I mean, (laughs) as somebody who's not really been in love, we can... Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I think that the the older you get, the harder it is to fall in love. When I was 19, I fell in love in 10 seconds. Uh, Do you, did you fall in love or did you become infatuated? No, I fell deeply in love. It was real love. Oh. Real, real love. Mm. The realest of loves. But I think the older I get, the more I'm like looking at people like, could I? love you in that way but is that battle scars from having been in love maybe because you fell so hard yeah maybe that actually your your definition and how you can love is now fundamentally changed because you loved so long and so hard exactly exactly so love is a weird one Mm. you've never been in love i've been infatuated i've never been in love yeah Okay, so go on to if it's <laughs> oh, hard. <laughs> if it's not hard, it isn't fun. So when it comes to work stuff, this isn't a sexual thing. <laughs> when it comes to work stuff, um, so for example, at the time we're recording this, we're recording it in May. And I decided, when I was between homes, by the way, 
with no internet that I was going to publish a daily podcast throughout the entire month of May. That blows my mind as well. Just because I was thinking it in my head and I was like, maybe I should do a pod a day in May. And it rhymed. And because I because I work in weekly, I've got so much um, career history in weekly and just kind of like you come up with the idea and then you fill, you know, you just fit the story around whatever the headline. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And a few people said to me, you're crazy. You're not going to have the Internet. And then they were like, how many podcasts do you produce normally to a week? So you're going to increase your podcast output, which is not your only work, by 350% at a time when you don't actually know where you're going to be living and aren't going to be connected to the internet. And I was like, if it ain't hard, it ain't fun. Because I do feel like that's how you grow. That's how you grow muscles. Okay. And that's and so I feel like I'll come out of the end of this and I will have learned a lot about like the kind of content I can create, the stuff that I feel proud of. And I do feel like that's the pushing yourself, like going for a run should be a bit hard at some point because you're pushing yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if it's a nice, easy, jolly run, that's fine too. But I just mean when you're, if you ever ask yourself the question, is this hard or is this easy? It's one of those two things. Like, am I enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's hard, it isn't fun. Yeah. Or am I not enjoying it kind of thing? Totally. Living in the comfortable space for too long is not a good thing. Yes, and I I have been a coaster and I've been I've just I've just been in a waiting room, the waiting room of life, waiting for life to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's that Ferris Bueller quote, you know, sometimes you might miss. I can't remember the quote. Neither now. can I, but I love but Ferris. Yeah. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Why? Because of because of what happens to the dad's car. Okay. <laughs> Gives me anxiety. I, ju- I can't, any film like that, there's a, Chris Evans uh, directed this film called Before You Go with Alice Eve, and I really like Alice Eve as an actress, and I think Chris Evans is actually a really good actor as well as being supremely handsome. And her handbag gets stolen, and I was like, I'm out, I can't, I can't, I, this, this jeopardy, I don't enjoy it. I go to the movies for lightness. Not so darkness. what's your favorite movie? Oh, so I have three. Casino Royale. Never seen it. With uh, Daniel Craig. It's his his first Bond movie and it was brilliant. They reinvented the franchise and then they screwed it up massively as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't want a Komodo dragon. I want a guy who uh, takes salt and water and a knife and makes himself sick and then goes after the bad guy like when he's been poisoned. It's brilliant. Um, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Never seen it. That film is 25 <laughs> years old and has not dated. That technology was way before its time and it's just a brilliantly well told story and visually it's incredible. Can't wait for the third. Oh my God, Este, there's like six now. Keep going. Okay, oh, the third movie. I thought you meant the Terminator franchise. I was in my my indignant moment. I've never seen it either. These are not my type of films. You're the biggest action nerd ever. Who knew? Third movie, Point Break. You've seen that. No, I have not. You need to come around to mine for a movie night. Oh, those movies sound horrible. Get out. I'm serious. I don't (laughs) like action. Oh, what movies do you like? I like nice Sofia Coppola films like Lost in Translation. Oh, you're too bright for me. <laughs> I, I like blunt instruments. I like fast cars, um, stunts. But I like a well-told story as well. Well, this has <laughs> been um, quite enlightening. I think it went well considering I hadn't prepared anything. It didn't seem like it. Okay, good. You're a pro. You're a pro. So where can people follow you and and listen to your podcast, et cetera? So it is The Emma Gunn Show on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading your podcast. 
Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. And I have a Facebook group, uh, The Emma Guns Show, The Forum. Uh, if you want to join in the conversation, there's like nearly 3,000 people in there who are seem to have attracted like the most awesome people ever. Oh, that's awesome. And um, they, yeah, they have really brilliant discussions about all sorts, whether it be like beauty or like work crises or relationship stuff, so. If people have never listened to your podcast, what episodes do you suggest they start with? Estée Lalonde. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the perfect point to go from this to that one. Because that was our first meeting as well. I know, Even which it's so weird. So weird. Wait, that is the first time we That's met? That's the first time we, we met. And then I saw properly. you at Dennis Gross. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. Um, but we know so many people in common that it was like, we're either going to hit it off or we're going to hate each other. Yeah. Thank God we hit it off. Um, and what else is a really good one? Depends what you're. It depends what you're after. If you like beauty, then definitely Nadine Bagger or Caroline Hirons. Uh, there's more mental health chat with Sam Chapman from Pixie Woo. Oh, I love Sam. Oh, I know. And she's just. The thing is, she doesn't receive it. You know, some she doesn't receive the information that she's just. Every time she posts, I just want to on Instagram with a, a new makeup look. I just want to, like, go for God's sake, woman, you're so. I think Sam is. She's so real mm. and she's so chic and she's so like the word isn't modest because she's not apologetic for her success, if that makes sense. Yeah. But she's very just. She doesn't give it much. She doesn't give it much real estate. Yeah. Her success. Like because you could go up to her and you could be like, oh, my God, what you've done. And the same with Nick. I actually I spent a lot more time with Nick. And I am fully obsessed with her. I like her a huge amount. I feel like I've known her forever because she's they're great. Fun. She's funny as anything, but she's very warm-hearted and gentle. And that, for me, it's just like oh, I'm drawn to you. Um, but they don't. They they could walk into the room and be like, "We're Pixie Woo." Exactly. They don't do that at all ever. And when you when you try and unpick what they've actually done, oh, sometimes I just find myself thinking about it. From the shop floor to jobbing makeup artists to doing this channel, like before anyone was doing YouTube, like they were some of the first. Like it's 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 really pioneering, and it, they it, yeah. and they don't linger in that that place of, like I think if you were to say to them, "Can we do an interview about you being entrepreneurs?" I don't know as if they it would be a reflex, because I just think they don't. It's just them. I agree. I should get them on my podcast. Oh, you Have you you've had both of them on? Yeah. Yeah. Together and separately. Oh girl. You've done it all. <laughs> well anyway, here we are. We're Three still years talking. of content. <laughs> Do you ever think like, oh God, I have no one to put on my show this week? Uh well I didn't when I was moving. No, I always I always have someone and I try to keep it varied. And that's the feedback I get from listeners is that they really like that yeah. one week it could be someone from the beauty industry. I recently had Andy Podicum on, who's the co-founder of Headspace. And yeah. that was huge. I've had Michelle Visage on. Um, Gretchen Rubin came on. I had Eve, you know, the rapper. You had Eve? Eve came on. God, those paw prints used to mess me up. Uh, I, I had full visual of them during the podcast and I had to not but it was really interesting because I had no idea that after she initially got success and had her first album that she got dropped by her label and she was living on her mother's sofa again what? so we talked about this whole thing that I had no idea about about um how she basically failed and how when she got it all back how her attitude was to this is why it will never happen to me again this is my destiny and I I got I screwed it up and I got another chance it was really fascinating how did you even get in touch with Eve oh I'm one scrappy little fucker 
I think that's a great place to end it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on my show, Emma. And to everybody listening, you have to go check out her podcast. It's one of my faves. And as you just heard for the past hour, she is a legend. Bye, Emma. Bye, Estee. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first.